daddy and he's sinking at the worst Cause honestly she knew for many years But she didn't want the family to panic over her So he prayed God Good morning, good morning. Come on, come on, let's get excited, amen? God is good all the time, amen. That's the old time Pentecostals. Amen, get comfortable, everybody comfortable, find a, find a place. Amen, turn to somebody, tell you, you look good in church. Come on, now say it and mean it, you look good in church. Amen, amen, don't get gassed up though. All right, you comfortable? Good. Let's stand up. Let's stand up real quick for the reading of the word. The word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Reading from the message. Remember our history, friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours, as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. They all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them, that stayed with them wherever they were. And the rock was Christ. But just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem to mean much. Most of them were defeated by temptation during the hard times in the desert, and God was not pleased. Same thing could happen to us. We must be on guard so that we never get caught up in wanting our own way as they did. We must not turn our religion into a circus as they did. First the people partied, then they threw a dance. We must not be sexually promiscuous. They paid for that, remember? With 23,000 deaths in one day. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of us serving Him. They tried it. And God launched an epidemic of poisonous snakes. We must be careful not to stir up discontent. Discontent destroyed them. These are all warning markers, danger in our history books written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. We are just as capable of messing up as they were. Word of the Lord. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Father, we just ask you for wisdom from your word today. Spirit of God, have your way in this place. Spirit of God, have your way in this place, God. We thank you, Lord, your word does not return void. We ask ask today that we would be fertile ground, that we would hear your word and be touched by it, be moved by it, and be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, get excited, somebody. We're in a series talking about the promises of God. This is number two. The series is titled Promises, Promises. Amen? But today I want to talk to you about a different kind of promise. 
I want to talk to you about being ready, about standing firm, about, I want to talk to you about trust and perseverance and living it out in a message titled, Because He Promised. And we can emphasize any part of that, because He promised, because He promised, because He promised. Either way you say it, no matter what you emphasize, you're, we're resting on the promise. Amen? We're acting on a promise. Remember, growing up, we, we, to think about it as kids, you know, you would, you, if we're honest with ourselves, everything we do, everything we've done, we're acting on a promise. Right? If you think about it as kids, when you were kids, you, you would, you, your parents would tell you, listen, we're going to somebody's house. Behave yourself. If you behave yourself at this house and you were promised a treat, you were promised privileges, you were promised, right? And so you, you acted on the promise. If, if you're Hispanic, you're, if the conversation might have been a little changed. It was like this. We're going to somebody's house. If you don't behave yourself at this house, I promise... Either way, though, you're acting on a promise. Amen? You're going to catch a beat down, a chancletazo, when you get home, right? Either way, we're acting on a promise. So growing up, there was the promise that if you did well in school, you'd be promoted. If you got promoted enough times, you'd get a diploma. If you, if you kept on going, you'd get a degree, right? We're acting on a promise, the promise that would determine whether you'd be the one flipping the burgers or the one ordering them. Amen? Listen, if you're flipping burgers, don't be discouraged. At least you have a job. So you're already ahead of the game. And guess what? There's still the promise that you can still do it, and you can still own that restaurant. There is still the promise for you to walk in. Amen? Come on. There's something about the power of a promise. Now, listen, I know we love to hear about some promises. Amen? No? Just, just two of us? But we love to hear those kind of positive promises. We love to hear about those, those promises that get us excited, right? Promises that, like, like this, promises this kind. The, the promises that God says, God will provide for you. God will heal you. He will restore you. He will redeem you. He'll cover you. He'll watch over you. He'll direct you. He'll be a light unto your path. He'll bring you through the waters. He'll stand with you in the fire. He'll shut the mouths of the lions in your den. He'll bring water from the rock. He'll be your rock. He'll be your shelter. He'll be your safety. He'll be your strong tower. He'll be your deliverer, your kinsman redeemer. He'll be your help. He promised to hear. He promised to see. He promised to stand. He promised to forgive. He promised he'll never leave you. He promised the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. During the hardest of seasons, he promised the peace that surpasses all understanding. He promised if we abide, he'll abide. When we abide, He promised life and He promised fruit. He promised we can be like a tree planted by the stream. He promised to be the stream. He promised us to comfort us when we call. He promised to forgive us when we fall. Somebody say amen. We love those kind of promises. Amen. Some of you just want to, okay, pray and let's go home. I bet some of you came back today just to get some more of those promises. 
But family, can I be honest with you? I love you. I want good things for you. I want the best for you. I want to see each and every one of you walking out all of these promises. I want to see you walking in these promises. But we have to receive the whole word of God. Amen? We can't just take what we want from God. God is not a big blue genie. <clears throat> we have to receive the whole word of God, not just the part that tickles us where we need to be uh, scratched. Amen? We can't stand on the promises if we're not in the premises. Somebody say amen. There are things that happen in our lives that we're not going to understand. There's situations we're not going to feel prepared for. I know sometimes we, we just want to get to the place where we can get encouraged and, and hear some positive things. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the fire, fluff fades. Faith flourishes. Let me say that again because you didn't catch that. Because I'm preaching better than you amen. In the fire, when you're going through a challenge, when, when things get difficult, the fluff, it fades. But faith, it flourishes. Did you understand that better that time? I want us to be equipped. I want us to be ready to stand. I, I need you to know that to get to the promise, there has to be preparation. You don't never get to the promised land without going through the desert. You never get to the promise without the wilderness, amen? So let's get back into the word, and let's get God's full word. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So we, we started at the very beginning last week in Genesis. I want to jump back into that story a little after where we left off last week. If you missed it, you can, you can check out last week's message at sanctuaryfellowship.org. Shameless plug. We don't get paid or nothing for it. You know, it's just there for you. If you want to check it out, you can, you can hear five or six years of messages that we've shared from here. So we started last week with the story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve. And this week I want to move a little further down in Genesis because we've been given so much history through this one book. I love drinking from Genesis. If I had a favorite drink in the world, it would be the Genesis. <laughs> See, now some of you could vibe with me now. You're like, oh, I understand that. Come on, guys. Grow up, church. I love drinking from, because there's so much that we can get from the history, his story, amen? The more, the more we understand his story, then the power that we have to not repeat all the things that, that the Christians before us have had to go through, amen? So, all right, last week, quick recap, Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything and God says it is good. The only thing God said in the first two chapters that was not good, he said it is not good for man to be alone. Isn't that crazy? He said everything is good, but it's not good for this sinvergüenza to be alone. He's going to get in enough trouble with a wife. He's not good for him to be alone. That's the only thing God said it was not good. Everything else was good. And God is so good, he creates an entire galaxy of planets and stars full of promise for each and every one of us. 
And after all this incredible scenery, the breathtaking views, the, the fascinating creatures in the sky and beneath the waters, he creates man and woman and he equips them with the ability to love. He creates man and woman. I just had to pause there for a minute. Do you understand that God, this, is, this might get a little R-rated, do you understand that God created man and woman? A lot of us have this kind of twisted, dirty picture of sex. God invented, do you understand that God invented that? Somebody say, he's a good God. <laughs> he invented that. Like we think sometimes that, you know, we, we got dirty with it. No, God created woman the, the way she is and who she is and how she is and what she has. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And God created man that, and everything. And, and God created... Some of you embarrassed. Come on. <laughs> Shut up. You watched all kinds of movies and you're going to be embarrassed in church? Come on. Get real with it. God, God created this thing and it worked so beautiful. He created man and woman. One man and one woman. I don't want to offend anybody because that's not who we are. But that's the only way it works. Amen? And so by, by Genesis 3, we messed it up. Three chapters into the story, we blew it. By Genesis 3, we messed up. By Genesis 3, God said, the party's over. You got to get dressed. God made clothes to cover up our shame. Ah. Uh, don't be a sinvergüenza. I'm watching you, bro. By Genesis 6, Man was so corrupt. If you read your Bible, by Genesis 6, man was so messed up. The world was in such bad shape that God said, I'm sorry that I made any of you. He said, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Listen, church, this is a picture and a reminder of how quickly when man is separated from God, how quickly we spiral out of control. We'll do things we never thought we would do. We'll say things we never thought we would say. We'll end up in places we never thought we'd end up in. Amen? That's why it's so important, church, to be connected to a body, to be connected to a church, to be connected to brothers and sisters with like minds so that we can help each other and encourage one another. And if we see somebody heading down the wrong way, we can say, hey, 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 come on, come on, bro. Right? And we can say, hey, come on, come on, come on, come over here with me. We see somebody falling back and falling away. We can say, come on, man, it's all right. You can stand with me. We see somebody missing, somebody falling away. We can reach out and say, man, I didn't see you this week. I need you. I need you to come through, man. It's not the same here without you. Amen? That's why we need, we need to be connected. Listen, here's a quote. Sin will always take you further than you want it to go, keep you longer than you want it to stay, and cost you more than you want it to pay. All because we just wanted to play. So God looks at the world and he says, this is deteriorating too quickly. I have to wipe this wickedness off the face of the earth. This is not what I wanted for my children. And, and if I let them run this course, there's going to be more and more destruction. Anybody just ever had to hit reset on somebody's life? You ever had to pull a kid out of school? You said, that's it. You're out of that school. Reset. Anybody ever said, we got to leave this neighborhood, we got to go, it's time to get them out of this neighborhood, we got to get out of this city, we got to get out of, anybody ever grab your friends, your, your kid out of a group of friends and you say, that's it, no more, I got to pull you out of that group of friends, reset, aquí se acabó, no more, 
right? It's a reset. God, so God, had to, God wants to reset man because he knows it's going to get worse from here. If, if it keeps running this course, it's going to get worse. So God wants to reset. But listen, in the middle of all that corruption, in the middle of all that evil and wickedness, the word says Noah walked with God. Noah found favor, the word says, with God. One man out of an entire population finds favor with God, and because of one man, God puts a plan into action. He tells Noah, get your sons and their wives and start building a boat. He tells them what to do. He tells them how to do it. He tells them what's going to happen. Through one man, God gives the promise of redemption for all mankind. Come on, this is the gospel in Genesis again. God has always given us pictures of the gospel of what's to come. If you let the wise read it and see it and understand it, amen? So, so listen, although Noah had never seen a flood, we don't have no proof. We don't know that it has ever even rained. Noah starts building an ark. And Noah starts doing what God told him to do. Why? Because he promised that a flood was coming. He, because he promised, from that moment on, Noah was focused on the promise. Listen, whatever Noah was before that, Noah was now a shipbuilder and a carpenter. You need to hear that. You know why? Because whatever you were before God called you, come on, come on. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you used to do. It doesn't matter what you were when God called you. When God calls you, He equips you to walk and be the man, the woman that He called you to be. When God calls you, it doesn't matter what you were. God called Noah. He don't tell us what Noah was doing. He could have been a candle maker. He could have been making wax figures. I don't know. But, but the word says, you, you, you need to build an ark. Noah says, yes, God, I'm a shipbuilder right now. So he got like shipbuilding for dummies. And, and he said, I'm going to start building a boat because that's what God told me to do. Amen? Church, we have to be the Noahs of this generation. Despite what everyone else is doing, despite the wickedness and the evil all around us, we have to walk with God and find favor with God so that God would see all the wickedness and still see us. So that God would see us and covenant with us and, and partner with us. Amen? God, so God tells Noah, listen, he tells Noah, I will not contend with man for much longer. And God says his days will be 120 years. Listen, when God starts dropping dates on you, that's serious. God promised judgment was going to come. God said, I'm not going to be with him much longer, 120 years. Do, does anybody, does that sound ridiculous to anybody? Do, do you even see the grace in that? It's not like, listen, next week I'm killing everybody. Right? That would be me and you, right? I, come on, let's be honest, right? If it was us, we said, listen, I'll give you one more week to get your act together. Come on, we've done it. We do it in churches. We'll sit around leadership and, and we'll bring the person. We say, listen, you got about two and a half weeks to get it back together, get back in line, and be the man God called you to be. Or I'm throwing you out. I'm getting rid of you. I'm stomping on you and everything that stands for you. God says, I'm giving you 120 years. <laughs> do you see the love? The love? Do you see the heart of the Father in that? 
I'm giving you 120 years to get it. It's like us. It's like one of us telling our teenagers, listen, if by 55 you are not working and have a good job, I'm, I'm on your birthday at 55, I'm throwing you out the house. I don't care. Call me a bad parent. Call me mean. Call me whatever. But if by 55 you don't have a GED and a job, you are out of here. That's the grace of God, amen? Even there, there's grace. God promised judgment would come. He did say judgment is going to come, though. I need you to get busy in these 120 years and start <coughs> building a boat. This is a different kind of promise. This isn't the kind of promise we run around the building all excited about. This isn't the promise we amen and yell and scream. This isn't the kind of promise that give us goosebumps, but it should cause us to move. Because he promised that judgment will come. It will come because he promised. The scriptures tell us God promised to wipe everyone out, but he also promised Noah that him and his family will be saved. And so when he steps out the boat, later on in the story, he steps out the boat and God resets the story. He says the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve. He says to Noah and his children, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. God, see, God invented the do-over. Say, say, come on, say amen, somebody. See, the whole point, the way this works, I give you something. If, if, if it's true, if it resonates, you say amen. I don't have to tell you to say amen because then that's not the same. That's like when your wife says, tell me you love me. I love you. Hey, well, it don't mean nothing now. You should have told me without me telling you, right? So that's how this works, man. If you hear something in the word that, you, that resounds true to you, you say amen. Amen. So God invented the do-over. That's amenable right there. We thought we did that. Right? We screw up. We say, okay, do-over. We've been doing that since we're little kids, right? All right, do-over, do-over. God invented the do-over. All right, forget it. Y'all didn't get in the second chance thing, but that's fine. Maybe some of you don't need a second chance. You guys are perfect. That's good. So the story of the flood. The story of the flood is such an amazing story. See, but it's not a children's story. Thanks, CJ. But, but it's not a children's story. We, we have done such an injustice to this piece of history, and it's just like the serpent to soften this story and make it pretty. When in fact, Noah's Ark is dreadful. It's probably the worst story in the Bible. Isn't it? It's probably the worst story, but we make it all pretty. We talk about the pretty animals, and we talk about the boat, and we got pictures, and we decorate children's church rooms with the ark and the old man with the staff and the animals two by two walking in, and it's so pretty, right? You have it in your children's nurseries. We got Noah's Ark stories, and we got Noah's Ark toys, and we got Noah's Ark, you know, uh, um, cartoons. And, and, but, but listen, that's not the full story. If you wanted to paint this picture on the wall... 
You'd have to paint the ark, and you'd have to paint the pretty line of animals, the two giraffes, and you know, we use all the pretty animals, and, and we'd have to paint all these pretty pictures, and then in all the waves around the sides, and in all the waves around this side, we'd have to pick, paint hundreds and hundreds of people drowning and dying. We'd have to paint dead corpse floating. All What a pretty children's church room, right? What a pretty picture. Hundreds and hundreds of people drowning, having their lungs filled with air and dying, crying out. It's a devastating story. Did, did I ruin that for you? Um, I hope so. Think New Orleans. Think tsunami. Think, think the worst devastation. This is not a kid's story. It's tragic. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took him to build it, but it, it said he had close to about 100 years. Because remember, we don't have machines. We got a hammer and a nail and a piece of wood. And God told him exactly how big it has to be. If he was Puerto Rican, he would have cut corners and we never would have been here to even talk about it. We would have said, no, we don't need six screws, we need three. That's how I build it. I'm surprised this stage is still standing. Praise God. So, so, so it takes him, it takes him, but imagine for a moment, it, it takes him over close to a hundred years to build this boat. There's a man building a barge for, and because it wasn't a ship, this barge wasn't designed to sail. It wasn't designed to win any records. It wasn't designed for speed. All it had to do was float. That's all the boat had to do was float. So it was built more like a barge, like just a house on the water. All it had to do was float. So for years and years, imagine this man building this boat for years and years in a place that has never rained before because God promised there was going to be a flood. Get that picture in your mind? Imagine the jokes. Right? Hey, Noah. So I see you're building a boat in your backyard. The boat looks a little large there, Noah. Do you ever think how you're going to get that boat to the ocean? And everybody laughed. What a moron. Right? And I can imagine, because what we know about Noah and his character, I can imagine God used every, Noah used every opportunity to just minister. And I can imagine Noah saying, listen, if God promises a true, I don't have to worry about getting the boat to the ocean because the ocean is going to come to the boat. If God's promises are true. So I, instead of worrying about me, I, I start to worry about yourselves. I start to get your lives and, and get your, your lives right with God because God told me to build it and it's going to come. He said there's a flood coming and it's going to come. And, and so I imagine, you know, everybody around, everybody around him just, just you know, they, they, were, they were lovers of themselves. They were, the word says that they were pleasing. It was all about pleasing themselves. They were lovers of wickedness, of idolatry. There was incredible violence in the land. Does that sound like eerily familiar? There's violence all over the land, the word says. 
There was wickedness, and people were just about themselves. People just wanted to please themselves. Remember, you have to imagine that many of these people were descendants. All of them were descendants of Adam and Eve, and so they've heard about the goodness of God. And maybe even as children, they walked in the ways of their parents, believing what their parents believed. But at this point, all that matters was living life and living to the fullest. All that mattered now was getting more stuff and having more things. Did that sound scarily familiar? They didn't want to hear about Noah. They didn't want to hear about his God. Well, in in their eyes, Noah was an old-fashioned fool. Anybody ever felt that way in church? People make you feel that way. Man, you're so old-fashioned. Really? You're not going to sleep with somebody until you get married? Come on. Come on. That is so outdated. That's so not 2012, 2013, whatever. Right? That is so, oh, sorry, I was, Ephraim, that's what happens when we get old, bro. I wouldn't celebrate too many more birthdays. But anyway, because you're right there, son. I can imagine these people were just going in on, on them and making fun of them. These, I, I can imagine after a time of Noah saying, just kind of showing them love and showing them grace and saying, listen, man, God said, God said he's going to come. God said the world's going to get flooded and only those that are in the ark are going to be rescued. Nobody's going to be saved unless you're inside the ark. And I imagine whenever they made fun of Noah, Noah would say, this is the only way you have to be in this ark. You have to be in the safety of this covering. You have to be in this body. You have to be in this to be rescued, to be saved. And I imagine people, man, and, and I imagine after a while it turned to, oh yeah, Noah and his family, they think they're better than everybody else. Anybody ever felt, been talked about like that? I can imagine people must have talked about them and they said, oh, these people think they're better. They're, they're hypocrites. They, 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 you know, they, like, like they do about us sometimes. Anybody? I imagine people were so callous and so hard-hearted that people had so little respect for the things of God, they probably at night tagged up on the ark. <laughs> think about it, right? This thing is being built for a hundred years. I bet you they came at night, young guys, they were getting drunk, they had their 40s, they they were rolling blunts in front of the ark at night because it was dark over there and they're rolling blunts in front of the ark. They're getting lifted in front of the ark. I imagine they're so callous, they don't care, and they leave their beer bottles right out in front of the ark like, like they do here sometimes. They'll just tag up on the ark, Flacco was here. Like they do here on the ark, on the, I mean on the church sometimes. Because they have such a cold disregard. Even though this, this, this building says church now all over it, people, I don't care, leave their beer bottles in front. Leave all their, their junk up in front, they'll ride on it, right? Little respect for the ark as, as it was being worked on and, and, and being trusted in as a means of salvation until I imagine the day that God told Noah, get your family inside the ark. It's time to save your family. It's going to rain. Can you imagine the scene then when the rain started? Can you imagine never seeing rain and all of a sudden you're coming out your house and, and, and whoa, 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 you're getting hit by water from the sky? 
You've never seen rain before, and the only thing that comes to your mind is, whoa, there's a crazy man building a boat for a hundred years, and he's been telling me one day it's going to rain, and that that rain is from God, and that God is going to use that rain to flood the earth. Whoa. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how people still, still callous, soaked in the rain of their own sin, still saying, this ain't going to happen. No way God could flood the whole earth. There's no way. There's no God that's going to. I don't even believe in God. How many of you know you don't have to believe in God to be judged by him? This, this is the part where it gets hard, church. I'm sorry. Can you imagine that scene? Can you, well, what does it remind you of? Do you see it yet? Can you relate yet? The ark is a picture of the kingdom of God. The ark is a picture of God's kingdom. The ark is a picture then of those who walk in obedience, those who believe and trust in God. They're going to enter in. Listen, when God's design, God said the ark can only have one door. It doesn't make sense to build something so huge with one door. Why? Jesus said, I am the only way. It's a picture. It's a picture of salvation. God was showing us the gospel. Even in the ark, there was one door. It would, listen, by design, by engineering, from an engineering standpoint, it would not make sense to have one door to get all these things in. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the gate. No one comes to the Father but through me. It was a picture of the kingdom of God, one way in. Don't, don't buy that, that hype that Oprah's selling and everybody else wants to sell. There are many ways to God. Come on, don't feed your mind that junk. Believe the word or believe everything else. That's the choice today, amen? Believe, you can't mix this. Don't give me Oprahologies and the word. You can't mix this, this, this junk, amen? You'll find yourself with one foot out the ark. And that's a promise because he promised the ark. You, you can only get in one way. But listen, listen, let, let's go fast forward. New Testament. And I'm closing. Worship team, you can come. Fast forward all the way to the days of Jesus. Fast forward all the way. The, the earth got repopulated again. Everybody's good again. Everybody was nice again. You know, three chapters later, everybody's dirty again. Everybody's messing up again. Everybody's far from, from grace again. But, but now there's Jesus. And now we have the grace of God. And now when God sees us, He sees us through grace. And now when God sees us, He doesn't see the wickedness and the craziness. He sees us through grace. Somebody say amen. And so now we, we turn to Matthew 24. M mark this down. Write a note. You need to know this. Matthew 24, verse 37. I'll start. It says, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood... They were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40. The two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. 
Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect it. Family, this is a different kind of promise, but it's a promise. You and I, in our daily walk, we're building an ark. We're letting people know by the way we live, by the things we do and don't do, that there is an ark, a place of safety, a covering, a sanctuary that God is building. We are that temple. And church, we might look old-fashioned. We might seem outdated. Because the world has gone so far from the promises of God that we seem strange to them. It seems crazy to be preparing for something that's unseen. But everyone around us is just consumed with the love of money, the love of sex, the love of power, and the gathering of things. Church people will mock us. We'll lose some friends. But we have to get ready. Because he promised. We have to prepare because he promised. Because he promised, we have to warn people without condemnation. Church, it's not good to, for us to go to a protest. We can't go to a, a, a gay pride parade and, and with a sign that says, God hates you and you're going to burn in hell. We need to be there with a sign that says, God loves you. God loves you. Let God worry about cleaning people up. We are called to love on people. Because he promised, amen. We have to live differently where others can see us. Isn't it amazing that no one wasn't told to build the ark in secret? God didn't say, go build it hidden in a corner in a mountain someplace where no one can see it. Because he promised church, we have to love one another. Because he promised church, we have to encourage one another. We have to receive and not judge. We have to restore and renew. We just bow our heads for a moment as we pray. Pastor G, you Before I pray, I want to read one more promise from Isaiah 54, verse 9. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. See, Jesus said that he's coming again. The first time he came, 
to bring salvation. And right now, his arms are wide open. He says, whosoever wants to come, I will welcome you. It could be the worst sinner, the biggest drunk, the biggest drug dealer on your block. It could be a mass murderer. But still, God says, if they come, they will be my children if they turn from their wicked ways and turn to me. But you know, those days are coming to, the, to an end. That age of grace we're living in right now is not forever. Jesus. Because right now that ark is open. That ark is Jesus. And his door is open. And our job right now is to go, go back to your schools, go back to your family, go back to your neighbors and tell them there's a God that loves them. And for those who walk with God, the promise I just read, he's not angry at you. Yes. He loves you. But there's a judgment coming on this earth that door's going to shut and God is going to pour out his anger and judgment on the wicked. The time of grace is coming to an end. Did you ever wonder about all the child molesters and all the evildoers that seems like they always get away with it? Well, the time is coming where Jesus is not coming as the Lamb of God. He's coming as the Lion of Judah. He's coming as the judge to judge the nations. And that door's going to shut. There's got to be a desperation in you for your friend, for your family, for your neighbor who's not in the ark. There's got to be a love in you for, for your city, for the people, not just to hide behind the word of God, not just to hide in a church building, but you're called to love those around you enough to say, welcome to the house of God, to show them the door, to show them the grace before it's too late. This is a heartbreaking message for the Lord. For us, it's glorious. We, we're going to face eternity together forever with no more pain, no more hurt. We're already in the ark. Nothing's going to hurt us. But how many of you are saying today, my heart breaks for a dying world. Just look, walk out the door. You see people walking up and down the street who are totally hopeless. They have no hope. They're lost. They're in pain, depression. They have no one to go to. And you are the answer to introduce them to a loving father, to a faithful friend. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're willing to take the challenge and say, God, in these end times, in these last days, before the door shuts forever, before my neighbor is lost forever, before that unsafe family member, 
is gone. Because once the door shuts, it's too late. That's what happened in Noah's Ark, and it's going to happen again. If you're saying, God, you can count on me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. I'm going to show the world the love of a, of a loving Savior. I want you to stand right now. Now, by standing, you're making a commitment. If you're not really serious, please sit down again. You're making a commitment right now. That for those who don't read the Word, you're going to live the Word. You're going to show them. You're, you're going to be a living example of this Word of God. You're going to be a living example of the heart of the Father. We're going to bring them in. This is all about love. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for each one standing. Father, that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart, Lord God. Father, give us a heart for those people, Lord God, who are wandering through the streets back and forth and back and forth, and we pass them by, consumed with our own issues and worries, God. God, raise us up to win souls, oh God. How many of you, the cry in your heart is for souls? God didn't save us just to make us the best people that we can be. He saved us so we can go out into this world. And he said, compel them to come in. I just released that anointing over you. God is marking you right now. The Holy Spirit's upon your heart. He's marking you as a soul winner. Yes, yes Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. As a last yes. day's Noah, yes, who's going to call the people of this world yes. to come into the ark, come into the arms of a loving Father. Come on, come on. Come on. There's a graceful Savior, and He will not turn anyone away. He yes. says, call them to come, yes. to come. He said, time is running short. And the, and the day is coming when no one can work. The door's going to shut. History's going to be over. We're going to be in glory. But I'm not going to be content until this city knows about the love of the Father. So I just release that grace and love yes. to burn in your heart yes. right now yes. in Jesus' name. So let's just begin to worship him. Come on, come on. And as you worship, let the love and compassion of God begin to burn again. Not, not it's to burn for him, but also for those out there. Those that you pass by every single day.